that's that's the purpose for it you know that oh this didn't just happen to me i mean i literally had a neurologist give me information about hannah when she was one and tell me and i said well what does this mean for her and she said well if you're asking me if she'll ever be normal the answer is no and that came out of her mouth like it was nothing like yeah. like and it cut through like cut me in half what's up you beautiful beasts i'm katie I'm on a mission to help humans become the best possible versions of themselves and to strive for overall health, mental health, emotional health, physical health, all of the healths, without ever having to step on a scale. I have had the privilege to talk to all kinds of different humans who've been through a plethora of experiences just being a human and existing. I believe that every single time somebody shares their story, at least one person listening will learn from it, be inspired by it, and maybe just maybe, even change the entire direction of their life. These are the stories of humans unveiling their beautiful beast. Keep listening. This is the Unveiling the Beast podcast. What up, you beautiful beasts? Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm hanging out with my new friend and fellow neurotransformational coach, Beth Aichafano. Beth is the mother of a daughter who has special needs and is nonverbal. In this episode, she talks about changing her mindset from, oh my God, how am I going to do this, to everything is a celebration. We also had a brief conversation about modern communication, or I should say lack thereof, and it ends with a helpful tips and tricks segment on how to start a podcast, or at least how I started this one. As always, I hope something lands with you today. I hope something you hear tugs on your heartstrings and or I hope you laugh. Ladies and gentlemen, I am with Beth Aichafano. Did I say it right? Oh, I like you got a little twist to it. I I, I yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm actually Sicilian. My maiden name is Paro Vecchio. <laughs> oh, all right. There you go. Yeah. You got, so, it, you got the Italian. So um Beth and I met through one of our life coaching classes. And if you could just tell my listener a little bit about who you are. I am oh a bunch of things. Um, nice. I am. I'm a bunch <laughs> of things. I'm a mom of um, two stepchildren and one daughter of my own, 23-year-old Hannah. Um, I was a lab tech for years. By uh, Educationally, I have my degree in biology, master's in special ed. So I was a lab tech for a while. I was a teacher for 17 years and recently just gave my notice on that. So this was my last school year doing that. And now I am going into coaching, transformational coaching, and also educational consulting. That's awesome. I was going to ask, how, how does it feel to say I was a teacher for 17 years? Well, I'm still a teacher. I'm just not teaching middle school kids anymore. So hmm. it feels wonderful. That was a path that um, came upon me. You know, it's interesting how we find things that throughout our lives that we've been doing but didn't realize we were doing it. Like every job that I had, I was in a position where I was always training people. Yeah. So I was the person training the new people coming in. So, um, and I remember my first job in college, I worked at a, um, a nursing home in the kitchen and I was 
training new staff members. And my boss called me into her office and she said, you know what, you should be a a teacher. And at that point I was in college and I was going to get my degree in biology because I wanted to be a lab tech. And I said, oh God, no, I can't imagine (laughs) teaching. There's no way I would be a a, a teacher. Um, Because she said, you have a really good way about you. And you are, you make sense when you are training somebody. I said, oh, that's great. Thank you so much. But no. So fast forward to however many years later, you know, I had my daughter who has special needs and I couldn't do the job I was doing before. So I decided to become a a teacher really out of necessity more than a calling Mm -hmm. um, because I needed to have a full-time job. I was a single mom at that time, needed to have a full-time job. And I needed to have the same vacation as her and the whole nine yards that, you know, I'm sure a lot of parents understand. Yeah. Um, so it became a calling because I really loved it, but I didn't go into it because I was like, oh, I need to be this. This is what I want to be. Now that's where I am. Now I'm doing something I really want to do, which is I'm going to be working with teachers, helping teachers teach kids basically, and the transformational coaching, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. I just, I just want to help, help people, you know? Yeah. But the middle school child, I'm, I, that's, that's done. I knew that that was, you know, I really knew probably three years ago, easily three years ago, um, but just wasn't ready to face it yet. So um, this year I took the step forward and made the leap in January, giving my notice. So that's really cool. And I love that you say you're still a teacher because I personally, I've experienced it in our, in our peer coaching. Like I, I get, um, I don't want to say the teacher sense, like I'm at school and you're a teacher, but like, like I learned so much from you, (laughs) you know what I mean? So I, you are, we're all teachers in some yeah, sort of, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're helping others to see their own potential. That's what teachers do. Good teachers. Anyway, yeah. they, you know, it's not about giving information. It's about helping kids discover for themselves really. Um, yeah. is what I always viewed teaching as it wasn't just me standing in front of the classroom and giving them information. Um, so the coaching is really not much different. It's just working with adults instead of children, really. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious about your daughter. You said you have a special needs daughter. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how how did that change your life when you first realized that she might need a little more attention? <laughs> it's interesting because I just started a blog and I wrote about that not too long ago. That was oh. a couple of entries. That was a couple of entries ago, actually. Um, as I mean, any parent understands how a child flips their world upside down. Oh yeah. (laughs) Without a doubt. I don't care if you have a child that's neurotypical or one that is not. Mm -hmm. Um, and for the listeners, neurotypical means your brain works in a typical way and someone who's not neurotypical, their brain works a little bit differently. So Kids with autism, ADD, ADHD are also are often considered neuro, um, neuroatypical. So um, with Hannah, she presented at birth as um, having difficulties. She mm-hmm. didn't know how to suck. Everything that came, what came natural to kids didn't come natural to her. Mm-hmm. So um, as I just discovered more and more, um, it was really, really hard. There was a there was a grief that came along with that because you're a mom and you know, um, you have 
especially if you've birthed your own child and you had that child developing in you for all those months, mm-hmm. you have a certain, um, you dream, you dare to dream what this life could be and, yeah. and what, what this child could do with his or her life and what it could be like. And you think about them going to school and getting married and having children and, you know, what job are they going to have? And, um, then when you have a child with severe special needs, my daughter's needs are not uh, mild, they're severe. She's nonverbal. Um, and she's uh, pretty much in a lot of ways, still a toddler. Um, mm. so with those, all those challenges of not being able to bathe herself and, fe- you know, she can feed herself, but she can't prepare her own meals. And, and so when I came to realize that that may be, and I say may, because you really never know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I came to realize that may be her life, it was a grief, a really heavy grief that settled in, um, that, all my dreams just went out the window Mm. and I had to allow myself to sit there. And I I felt guilty about that. I felt guilty about feeling that grief because I had my child with me. She wasn't dead, but the, what, what I had hoped for her was dead. And I knew Mm. that on an an instinctual level. Um, So I allowed myself to feel it and I got myself out of it and like, okay, well, she's, meant to be this way. And I have that belief in my, in my core Mm -hmm. that she was, she was sent here this way and she has things she needs to learn. And I had to adjust and, Mm -hmm. um, just understand that. Um, I had to understand to not have any expectations. Right. So a lot of times we have expectations for our kids and they don't meet them. And then we feel disappointed I got to the point where I didn't have any expectations because I didn't know what she was going to be able to do. So every little thing she did was a celebration. It's like, Oh, she's able to pull, pick up a Cheerio now with her forefinger and thumb. That was a celebration. Whereas a lot of parents wouldn't even notice that and, or they might notice it, but they wouldn't realize how difficult it was. You know, how many things have to come together in your brain for you to be able to do what you do every day. It's, it's amazing. The human body and the brain is just astounding how everything works together to help us do what we do. And it was one, it was wonderful. Cause when I was teaching middle school, we had a nervous section, our nervous system section. And the very first activity I'd have the kids read directions on the board and then do it. And it was, it was, um, trace a, a dime, a penny 10 times in number them one to 10. So they literally, that's all the direction was. So they mm-hmm. had to read it. They had to understand it. They had to use fine motor to make the circles. They had to figure out where they were going to put the one, where were they going to put the two, where were they going to put the penny? Mm-hmm. So going through that activity with them and having them realize how much goes into that, they were like, whoa. And you do it just naturally. Okay. You take a penny, you trace it 10 times, you put numbers one through 10. But for my daughter, that would be impossible. She wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to do that. So it was a good learning experience for them, these 13 year olds to understand how amazing they are and how the body like works, you know? Yeah. So yeah, Yeah. I just had to let go of all of it and have no expectations really. Um, And just raise her as an, as normal as I could, 
you know, expect as much as I could from her. Yeah, you're going to follow directions. And if I tell you no, it means no, that kind of thing. But I don't know. I never knew where she was going to end up. Yeah. I love that you talk about um, celebrations in the mm-hmm. in the little things, because in a way that kind of turns what some would view as a tragic situation, you know, having mm-hmm. a special needs child into yeah. everything's a celebration now. So yeah. I love that you put it that way. It helped me get through the hard times because there were a lot and yeah. the marriage dissolving at the same time as me going through all this with Hannah um, didn't help, but that's typical. Um, divorce rate is high already. I think I found a statistic, something like 87% of marriages of children with special needs fail. Mm. Um, that's a high statistic. Yeah. Um and I was in that, I was in that part of that uh, stat. So um, it, it was hard, but I think finding the little joys really helped me a lot because I had to, I had to find something because it was just really hard, really, really hard going through that. I look back yeah. on it I'm like, holy crud, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 really, I just really, I took some days it was one minute at a time. And it wasn't even an hour at a time. It was one minute when she was screaming or tantruming or doing whatever. And um, yeah, it's parenting is hard. Yeah, it's hard. Parenting it's already a child hard. Is hard. Yeah, uh, you know, you know. And when you said, it, really, Katie, I think some people will say to me, "Oh, I don't know how you did it." Well, you know what? Parenting is hard. I just have different struggles than other parents do. Right. You know what I mean? parenting a child who can speak is tough. Yeah. And they're, and they're talking back. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's difficult and parents have to just show themselves some grace. Yeah. And just know you're doing the best you can with what you're given and what you have in front of you. And special needs parents just have different challenges than parents of you know, typically developing children, but there's still challenges yeah. and we still need a tribe to help us raise them, you know? Yeah. That made me think of when you said, I just have different circumstances. I I asked somebody once who had twins, I was like, man, is it like extra hard to have twins compared to one? He's like, well, I don't have anything to compare it to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like, you know, this is my situation. That's your situation. And in any situation, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And you just do the best you can. You just take each each individual day and you do the best you can with what you have in front of you, you know, and make each day count and go to doctor's appointments. If you have to go to doctor's appointments and specialists and it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So how have you taken all of that, everything that you just said, and how, how are you going to apply this in your new um, transformational coaching? Well, I'd like to work. Actually, I have an appointment today with a client. Ooh. Um, Yeah, I'm excited. A special needs parent. Um, I'd like to work with special needs parents. Um, Not not exclusively, but I got myself on a couple of um, um, Facebook pages of special needs parents just to see what's out there because I haven't been in touch with the community Mm -hmm. really in quite a long time. Um, So I just wanted to get an idea of what people were struggling with, what they were what questions were being asked, what issues were being brought up. And it's been eye-opening. Um, it's ch- it's challenging this time. And um, so I'd like to work with special needs parents. 
um, just that's part of the reason why I did the blog, not only for my own mm. healing, but to help them not feel alone. Yeah. It's very isolating. Even if you're, I found that even when I was in a group, um, I felt isolated. It was, it was an interesting thing is if, if someone didn't have the same issues that I was having, I really felt like I was alone. Mm-hmm. So finding a community, I think is really important as long as it's a healthy community, as long as you're getting healthy feedback and healthy information, as opposed to just hearing all the negative constantly, because it can mm-hmm. bring you down a rabbit hole. You know, some of the forums can really bring you into a rabbit hole of despair, you know? Um, So I found for myself, it was important to connect with other people who are like-minded and also people that did not have children with special needs because um, although they were not as accepting, um, it was important that I expose them to what the other side looked like and that Mm. Hannah was around typical peers. I wanted her to be around that as well. Not just kids with special needs, because I think kids learn a lot from each other. And um, if she was only around children like her, she wouldn't learn as much as if she was around kids with that were more typical, you know? Yeah. So um, that's what I really would hope. I hope to do is to reach those parents that really need, need the help. And there's a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them. That's one of the beautiful things I love about coaching is that we don't have to like go find people. We just tell people what we've been through and how we got through it. And that's how we, that's how we, we get our people that we're going to help is like, like they're here. And this is where I was like a year ago and I'm here now. So I can walk you through the steps you know, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say. We're like magnets. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to attract. And I firmly believe we're going to attract the people we're supposed to attract. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this blog, I just decided, and I'm not a pro by any stretch of the imagination. That's for sure. I have so much to learn with all this technology. Oh my God. Um, but I'm learning it slowly, but surely. And with some guide, I'm going to have a couple people help me out, but um, I decided to be honest with the blog and not sugarcoat it. And this is my story and how I felt and how I handled it. And I'm mm-hmm. sure to, to express that this is just what happened with me. But if I can just get one person to say, oh, she understands, yeah. you know, that's, that's the purpose for it. You know, that, oh, this didn't just happen to me. I mean, I literally had a neurologist give me information about Hannah when she was one and tell me, and I said, well, what does this mean for her? And she said, well, if you're asking me if she'll ever be normal, the answer is no. And that came out of her mouth. Like it was nothing like, yeah. like, and it cut through, like cut me in half. Hmm. I was taken out at the knees literally because just hearing that was like completely deflating. Cause yeah. I had some hope up to then like, Oh, she'll be okay. You know, that was it. And, um, it, and it's not an abnormal thing to happen. Doctors don't know. These are specialists. I mean, it's a pediatric neurologist. You would think that they would have some kind of 
training on how to, you know, deal with parents, but this one clearly did not. And it's not abnormal from what I'm hearing from other people. Um, so just to have someone say, oh, she went through the same exact thing that I did, or she's feeling the same grief that I feel because I'm going through it right now. Some of the the posts are heartbreaking because I remember what it felt like, you know, having Hannah being, you know, when she had her first seizure and dealing with them, you know, not knowing what kind of seizures and having her on the medication for the wrong kind of seizures. And it's just, it's so challenging. It's so challenging. It really, really is. I think, um, one person will hear this episode and be touched. <laughs> uh, that's the whole point of this podcast is people sharing their stories. And then yeah. if one person gets something out of it, then mission accomplished, you know? Exactly. So. Exactly. You, you just want one person to, and that's all it takes, you know? And when I was teaching, if I could reach one student, yeah, you want to reach them all, yeah. but that's not realistic. But if, boy, if I could see that light shine in one kid's eyes, that would like, I'd be floating on air. Oh, that one, he got it or she got it, you know, there's nothing like it. And there's nothing like helping people heal. Amen to that. That's it. It's (laughs) helping people heal and not feel so alone in this world that it's interesting, Katie, because we're connected in so many ways, but not really connected in the ways that are really important, like having a conversation with someone instead of a text or a post or the artificial connection, you know, having a conversation with someone, hearing people talk about something that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's important to hear the words instead of reading all the time or the short speak that we do when we're texting or Instagram or whatever we're Twitter or whatever anybody's on. Right. Just almost too much. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's too much, but it's artificial. It's not legitimate contact. That's why I, I wish every single episode I recorded could be in person because I feel like the ones that I do in person are there's more connection, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. even you and I, I'm looking at your face right now, but you're still on my screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and so many times in my life, I there's been times where I'm surrounded by people and I still feel so lonely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yep. It's, it's, it's amazing, crazy. isn't it? it? You can have, you can be in a room full of people, but feel completely alone. Yeah. Sometimes even like you're screaming and nobody can hear you, even though you're surrounded by people mm-hmm. like, hello, am I invisible? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah oh. Because someone doesn't really get to the, they don't really get to know where you are. It could be someone, mm-hmm. you know, but they're not connecting with you on a soul level. Yeah. So it's all artificial. Oh, look at the weather or, you know, and you're like, no, I'm struggling right now. You know what I mean? I don't care that it's raining. Yeah. But if it, you know, it, that takes time, that takes time and that takes effort and it takes patience in, in this, in this world of texting or a world of going on the internet and finding information at our fingertips, we don't learn patience anymore. No one has the patience to really sit with someone, look in their eyes and say, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, how's your day going? Tell me about yeah. your day. Yeah. That's all it would really take, you know, but we get caught up and I do it too. We get caught up in our own crap, in our own world. And we don't connect with someone who's right next to us. You see people in a restaurant sitting at a table and they're on their cell phones. Talk to each other. Yeah. 
get off the cell phone, <laughs> have a conversation. My kids used yeah. to hate, you know, and I, thankfully that last, last year we had a no cell phone policy, but the previous year they were allowed to have them. And, you know, sometimes I would allow them on it and other times, no, get, get off it, have a conversation, you know, yeah. close the laptop, sit and talk with who's next to you instead of playing a game. No, mm-hmm. you're not going to play chess right now. I don't care that it's an educational game. Close the laptop and sit and talk with your friend. I'm allowing you to talk. <laughs> I'm saying it's okay <laughs> to talk in class. So please have a conversation. <laughs> Just trying to get kids to connect because boy, yeah. it's scary. It's scary what's coming up, what's coming down the pike because these kids don't know how to be without their electronics. But even on on that topic, I'm glad you say you're allowed to talk right now because I've I've been in classes like back in high school and junior high where all the teacher wanted us to do was sit and read the textbook and outline it. And I'm like, but uh, is that but <laughs> learn something that way? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. what's interesting though is I hated, I hated outlining things, but in college, that's how I ended up taking notes. <laughs> Just outlining yeah. the textbook. Yeah, there's a balance. So, Teaching, there's a balance. And you know that there's a balance with anything. Mm-hmm. There's skills that need to be learned. Outlining is an important skill. What happens is when it's used too much and it's used in lieu of other t- techniques of teaching. Right. So, yeah, there's a place for outlining because clearly, and I outline, I'm writing a book, writing yeah. an outline. So it, these are important skills to have. It's when it's matched, it's got to be paired with other teaching techniques, group work and teacher d- direct instruction. Yeah. There's a whole bunch, you know, there's so much that goes into teaching and God bless. I always have a special place in my heart for teachers, which is why I want to work with them because it's not an easy job right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So on another topic, <laughs> um, you were telling me that you are thinking about starting a podcast. I am. That's one of the things I, I'm still percolating on how best to get myself out there. Um, whether it's a, and what would that podcast look like? Would I have special, would it be a special needs podcast? Would it be, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I think there's a place for teachers as well, a teacher forum type of thing. Um, so that's still, yeah, that's still percolating in my head. Um, but I have no idea like what goes into, like you have a microphone right now. I (laughs) guess I'd have to get a microphone. You know what I mean? Like the tools that you need for it and how to even start it and get it out there is again, I'm not technologically savvy. I'm Mm -hmm. good with the tools that I use, like from teaching the, you know, all the different applications and stuff like that. But even with the, um, my blog, I, you know, I'm getting, I have to get a web website up and running eventually, you know, for my business. So mm-hmm. there's so, there's so much. Do you like, you've, you've been doing your podcast for what year? Um, I, I started in 2019 and, oh, but so I took, I did 27 episodes and then I not purpose of pur- purposefully, <laughs> not intentionally took three years off um, when okay. the world got crazy. Yeah, and I started to not have time. <laughs> um, I actually started though. First, I I knew I was like, I want to do a podcast, and and I know that I want to interview people, but I also know I don't want it to be like interview style. I want it to be more like yeah. a conversation. conversation. Yeah. Um, 
And then I did start worrying about like, oh, what do I need for this? What kind of equipment do I need? Uh-huh. So what I did was I had my cell phone and a lapel mic and I just started interviewing people before ever editing or posting anything. I just like got a collection of interviews with my cell phone and a lapel mic. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but then I just kind of did the research and started finding one thing at a time. Like, um, back when I started, I found a free platform for posting podcasts. It was called anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I came back from my three years off, Spotify has purchased anchor. So now it's called Spotify for podcasters or something like that, but it's still all the same format and it's still easy to use and free. So yeah, it's free. Can people find you on Apple too? Yeah. Um, what hap- what you do is you post it on Spotify for podcasters and then it'll take your podcast episodes and post it on different platforms for you. So oh, cool. it's really cool. I think I'm on, I think I'm on seven platforms through them and then also YouTube, which is like okay. the extra step. Uh, YouTube is the extra place that I post it when I post it. So, huh. so, and then later on, my brother gave me a mic and a little setup. So, and then I bought a yeah, second mic. Do you have a, se- a separate computer that you use or is it just a laptop? Just my laptop. It is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, eventually I'd love to have a whole room, like a studio with soundproof walls. And like oh, all the I was just going to say your sound is really good. I can't hear anything other than you. Yeah. So wherever room you're in is good. It's my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, so I used to I used to record all of my episodes like like Zoom episodes in my closet. <laughs> really? <laughs> because it's the most soundproof room in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if it's technology or recent updates to the software I use. I use Audacity, which is also free. Um, it has like really good sound canceling or like background noise canceling uh, properties so to speak. So yeah. How did you get your name out there? Your podcast out there? It's like, still not out to there. Let, to let people know like who, where, who you are and to get people to listen. Um, right now I'm still just posting on like Facebook and Instagram because that's where most of my followers are. Okay. Um, so every week I post, here's a sneak peek of tomorrow's episode. And then, and then they can go and okay. Yeah. So um I'm actually still learning how to put it out there because I think I'm ready for it to be a little bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the beginning you just kind of do it for nobody. Yeah. 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 But that's that makes what makes sense. it cool though. That's what makes it good though. You know what I mean? That's what people will listen because yeah. it's just you having a conversation with people and who doesn't want that? Yeah. You know? When there's no other reason just to have a conversation and, you know, spill some yeah. tea about some important topics and whatever is important to you. And it's going to, it's going to resonate with people if it's a, if it's a legit conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. And the beauty too, is like, if, if there is a day when I, well, I shouldn't say if, like when it does get a little bigger, um, people can go back and listen to old conversations that I had. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Even though my, my intro now for season two is a little bit different than season one, because I've been able to fine tune it a little more, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's cool. um, but the conversations are still amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some are about nothing, but others are about everything. <laughs> and it's pretty much whatever the person you just kind of free. It's like freelance, right? Yeah. Whatever you have yeah. on, it's not like a specific niche or niche or anything like that. Yeah. It's any, anything at all. Yeah. I've had a some... lot of the podcasts are very directed. Like it, this mm-hmm. one's about this and this is about this and this is about this, you know? Yeah. And, and it also goes into phases too. Like right now I've been interviewing a lot of people from ECCP. So mm-hmm. a lot of my episodes have been about coaching, but the cool thing about that is we all coach different people. So it's really cool. And to hear the yeah. backstories of what brought people to coaching too. Yeah. You know, yeah. like what, like I never would have in a million years thought of myself doing this never. And it really started because last year I just really opened myself up to more energy work, which led me to a specific person who mm-hmm. had gone through ECCP and she directed me to Sean. So was it Robin? It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Robin yeah. and Jamie were the ones mm-hmm. that um, taught the class that I took for a year. And um, it just ended in May. I'm so sad because I love those women. Mm. Um, but yeah, she she had posted something on Facebook about coaching. So I said, you know, let me talk to her about specifically about this. And she mentioned Sean. And I looked at a couple of other courses as well. Mm-hmm. And his just resonated with me. So that led me to to BCC and then ECCP and now EIA. So that's cool. It's funny though, because I have for years thought if I had to do it over again, I probably would have gone into school counseling instead of teaching Hmm. because I've always, my teaching has always been more about the social emotional learning of kids Mm -hmm. as opposed to teaching content. So this is kind of why I want to do the, the um, educational consultant work helping teachers understand how important executive functioning skills are to kids and um, anxiety reduce, reducing tools and how to handle their stress and all these life skills that mm-hmm. was a huge, was the major part of my teaching. Actually, it was the, you know, the content was the vehicle for me to teach these other tools really. Yeah. So, and I used to tell my kids, I don't care if you don't remember the phases of the moon, you can look that up. What I care about is that you can manage your time when there's a, a project, because that's going to help you in life. What I care yeah. about is that you can, you can advocate for yourself because that's going to help you in life. What I care about is that you know how to handle your stress and anxiety because that's going to help you in life. So that was always the more important part, organization and time management and all those skills that a lot of kids just don't have. And it bleeds mm-hmm. over into adulthood if they don't learn it as kids. You know, you know, you know, you know, adults who are stressed out because they have zero time management or they let their anxiety get the best of them and they don't have tools to handle it. Yeah. So that was a big part of my teaching. So. So you didn't even know you were already a coach as you were teaching. No, I didn't. Yeah. No, it's, you know, the universe is crazy in that way. Everything comes in the way it's supposed to. It really does when it's supposed to. Yeah. You know, I could sit and say, boy, I wish this had happened years ago, but I wasn't ready for it years ago. Yeah. That's why it didn't happen. So everything happens when you're, when it's meant to. I love that. I just felt the, uh, the, uh, what does it say? Do you feel complete? 
<laughs> like I <laughs> feel like a, I feel like that was a, a good ending. <laughs> that was a good note to end on, right? Yeah. Everything good. happens as it's supposed to when it's supposed to. Yeah. So I have one more question for you. Um, and I ask everybody at the end of every episode, and that is if you had one piece of advice that you could give to the world, what would it be? Or did you already just say it? <laughs> I think that is the piece of advice is that yeah. trust, trust in yourself, trust in the universe, because everything that happens happens as it's supposed to when it's supposed to. It may not be easy. It may be a really, really hard time, but there's always something to learn. Either we're winning or we're learning. Mm. That's I love that. To remember, either we're winning or we're learning because there's no failure. And I, as a teacher, I, I, kids were afraid to fail. And I tell them, no, because you're learning something. My biggest times where I consider quote unquote failing are were the times I learned the most. So if you look at each opportunity as what can I learn from this, you can't lose. Ladies and gentlemen, Beth Aichifano signing off. Until next time. Palakalakala.